Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Uh, we are going to continue our values, and if, uh, if you know anything about a church, it's that uh, they say a lot of things that they value, and uh, sometimes you don't see it always on display. Uh, they say a lot of things that they value, or that they honor, that they love, or that they will be a culture that is like this, or that they're supposed to be kind and generous and loving, and then you go in and you feel the opposite. Uh, and, and it's really hard because the bigger a church grows, sometimes it's hard to make sure that that value system flows into everything. Um, so that's why we wanted to take this time, very intentional at the very beginning of our church, to make sure that everyone gets it. Everyone gets the values. They get why we're doing what we are doing, who we will be versus other churches. Um, Because the truth is there's a lot of churches in the city. um, But the beautiful thing is that we're all different. And and though we have uh, the same mission, there is a different values, different vision in it. And so I love that we get to talk about this at the beginning. And so last week uh, we were off doing the serve day, but this time we're doing value number five, which is that we as a church will uh, invest our resources, which is a really strange, you're like, oh, I came on the money talk. No, this is way bigger than anything, just money. Um, we, I want to be a church that invests in people that invest in our city, that invest in each other, that invest in people that we just met. I want to be a a church that doesn't just hold tightly, but that we have an an attitude, a heart of giving. How many of you guys, this is, you don't have to answer out loud, but have been blessed by someone giving? There's something empowering. There's something uh, joyous, joyful giving. There's something that just sets you up in a different way when someone gives you something. And that's literally the heartbeat of, of Christ was that, uh, you know, the Father gave. He so loved the world that he gave his son, that Jesus, though he was in the very image of God, he gave his life. So I want to be a church that generously gives. It's the heartbeat of God. I want it to be the heartbeat of us. And, and that's a spiritual act of like sowing. I don't know if any of you um, are, are farmers. If you are, you'll get this. But uh, there is this biblical word called sowing that uh, <laughs> if you're a farmer at all, uh, you, you know this. But those of you who are maybe the city folk, you, it's okay. Um, but ongoing throughout the Old Testament, there's this picture of sowing that uh, you... In order for an agricultural heavy um, society to even have food, they've got to sow, tend the soil, they've got to trust in the fact that the tending that they did last week will be good enough for growth to happen uh, in the soil. And the beautiful thing is when you look at the Bible, in the Bible times, they didn't have these fancy systems that provided water artificially, you know, like a water hose or the, those nice little tractors that on the back of it have the little individual hoses that make sure everything is spread out. Yeah, like that. Um, they make sure all of the water is spread out. Um, they didn't. In fact, when we're talking about investing, it's this imagery. A farmer taking his seed putting it in a soil which is no longer in his control. In his hand was the seed. 
He can determine where it goes. But once it's in that soil, he has no control of what happens now. And that's the beauty of investing is you put it in and you have no idea what's going to happen. In fact, it's unseen now because you cover it up and now you have to wait on the, the rain provider, which is not you. You have to wait on the sun provider, which is not you. And you have to hope that there's enough nutrients in the soil to grow it. And so this idea of sowing is huge because farmers would invest their seed into a ground and then they would know that if this is going to turn into anything, it's going to be of God's doing. And then they would invest that back into the Lord. It's just this constant picture of sowing. And i got to tell you, God wants that exact thing for us that we consistently trust. But I'm going to tell you something. God knows very so, something very sad about humanity It's that we have a very natural inclination, instinct to trust the physical over the spiritual. And this is why this is a value for us. I want to be a church that invests our resources because as humans, we like to trust the physical. I wrote this down. In our finite minds, this makes sense. In the physical, we either have or don't have. In the physical world, you have a jacket or you don't have a jacket, which is why we did that last week, because we knew... Everyone needs a pair of gloves. In the physical, we get it. You either have or you don't have. In the physical, you either feel protected or you feel endangered, right? Some of you would not walk on certain streets in the evening because in the physical, you feel endangered or you feel protected. It's in the physical that you feel comfortable. It's warm in here or cold outside, uncomfortable. It's in the physical that you can see good and bad. But can I tell you that God never designed never designed us to trust the physical over the spiritual. He created us as spiritual people to always see that our physical world is held together by the spiritual. I know that's really weird, and it it sounds strange, and and it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to tell you, as we trust the physical, we quickly dismiss the spiritual. And that's really easy to do in our world. Because it's in the physical that you see all the things online that you want. Uh, It's in the physical that the Black Friday deals just happened and you saw the things that you were going to get your your husband or your kids or it's in the physical that your belly is craving that food. Ham, Christmas ham. It's in the physical, right? And it's really hard sometimes that the more we focus on that, we dismiss the reality of our God at work. I want to be a church that always understands that God is at work. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to invest. God knew something when he was trying to program this back into his people. Because at the fall, this will be the, the, the best way to describe it. At the fall, so much was lost. And you remember the story of creation, Adam and Eve uh, were made in God's image. But I think we overlook the fact that when they were made in God's image, they were able to, to see his image in everything. Think about this. They walked the garden with him. They, they saw his fingerprints on everything. They knew, they knew how he was connected to the, the tree. They, they, they knew how he was connected with them. There was no tension between each other. Adam and Eve were perfect because they could see God's fingerprint on everything. There was this. They lived in the physical, but they were able to engage and interact with the spiritual. But then the fall happened, right? They ate that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We see that their eyes were opened, but I'm going to tell you that a lot of their eyes were closed because instantly they only saw the physical. 
They saw what you could physically do, and now it was without God. Right? And for the first time, they started seeing fear. For the first time, they started seeing worry, doubt, shame. In fact, they, they noticed their naked bodies and hid. I'm gonna, the, the sad reality is that in our physical world, we react to physical things more than we respond to the fact that God is there. And that started at the fall. They saw themselves naked and they hid in fear. And though we can, time passed, and though we've had moments where we were able to see God, and though, though God provided moments when people could, could see him, the reality was as a whole, now our foundation is on this physical world. What we can see, what we can grasp, what we can touch. And so God instilled, instilled something in his people really early on to rewrite that. And that was the practice of giving first fruits. That was a practice of, I'm going to create the society where you have to work, 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 but you're going to have to trust me. And in fact, you can't eat unless you put that seed in the unknown soil and let it grow. You can't eat. Your your family is not going to to thrive unless you trust me. But in our world, (laughs) we we can buy a dollar dollar sandwich from McDonald's and there's not much trust that happens uh, because we don't have to wait. And so we've gone so far from this idea of investing and it being attached to trust. So now we think that the church just wants our money and it has nothing to do with trust. But I'm going to tell you, I want to be a church that is visibly seen that we trust. I wrote this down, that investing our resources means trusting the supplier. And you can't grow your trust if you don't have open hands. In fact, uh, some of us have a lot of trust issues in our life. Um, like, let's, let's be honest, you have trust issues. I'll, I'll be honest, I have trust issues. Um, one of the scariest things that you probably don't realize for a pastor is the feeling that no one really cares about you. In fact, did you know that in the world, it is the pastor that probably feels the most isolated and lonely than anyone else in the congregation? And do you know why? It's because you, you elevate us. And then it's this uneven playing field. And though some pastors live in that and then it just remains, the reality is we are people that you go to when you're in need. And then we don't have people often that we trust with our needs. And so I remember very on when this was at play. So I became a youth pastor really early and didn't realize how stuck that mentality was. Because anytime a student called, it was always like at midnight when they're drunk and they need something. Or it was always when something bad happened and they needed me. And so it became this like ongoing thing. If someone calls me, if someone texts me, it's because they want something from me. And that's the mindset of a lot of pastors. And what began in me was this trust issue that uh, I started really struggling to trust that people cared. I had this friend who's probably my, one of my best friends now who started really uh, challenging me. Every time I would answer the phone, I'd be like, hey, what's wrong? And he was like, uh, I just wanted to talk to you. And so that would be literally the first, I don't know why, I don't know where it came. It was like four years into my, my time in ministry, and I would respond being like, do you need anything? Or like, hey, let's hang out. And then my next response would be, what do you need? Or is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, I just want to hang out with you. 
But it's interesting because it's as I let go and be open and vulnerable with him that my trust, it's built. And the same principle is, is true with our faith, with our life, with our money, with our resources, that it's as we do this with all that we have that we begin to build trust. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of you hold what you have very tightly. Maybe from past pain, past hurt. Maybe because you don't trust other people with your, your, your fears or your doubts or your worries. And that even stretches into our finances, our gifts. You have a gift. You have talents. But you don't trust people to see them. And so they're never invested. You, you don't give of it. We don't trust people with our money. We don't trust the Lord that he'll provide. And so... We live and we trust more in our paychecks than anything else. Uh, we trust, we trust our, what we can tangibly achieve versus anything else. But can I tell you that you can't grow your trust without investing. You can't grow your trust without investing in the supplier. That's why I want to be a church that does that. That invests our time. That invests the money that we make so that things like last week can happen. That was because you guys spent money on soup to cook it and give it. It's because you spent money on an Amazon wish list. It's because you spent time out in the cold. You invested, and there's a return on that. I want to be a church that wins the war and the spiritual because we don't just trust in the physical. I wrote this down. I cannot win the war in the spiritual when my hands are the ones calling the shots in the physical. What do I mean by win the war and the spiritual? Um, in this room, you have doubts, worries, fears, struggles, addictions. You have a whole lot of built-in walls. And there's a spiritual thing that God is trying to do in your life. And we lose it. We lose at that war all the time. And it's because we look to the outside we look to the scene. We sometimes look to the cracked ground and forget that what's happening underneath, God is in control of. I mean, I, I just always look back at the, uh, the Israelites who had to trust that things were happening under the, under the soil when they put their, their seeds in with just such adoration, because that's literally where a lot of us are, and we doubt that God is ever doing anything in the unseen. But they had to live a season just waiting for that little that little seed to pop through the ground. And we are to win the war in the spiritual by constantly having open hands, saying, what is mine is, is yours, God. What is mine is yours. What is mine is yours. So do you trust God with your time? Do you trust God with your money? Do you trust God with your gifts? Do you trust God with your calling, your purpose? So I'm going to read this, this passage. It's in Deuteronomy 26, and it's the first time God commands the people to give their first fruits. And what that means, literally, the, the seed that you put in the ground, the first thing that it produces, I want it. I want you to give it. I want you to hand it over. You don't eat this food. In other words, it's, it's for something greater. 
And so that, that took a lot of trust because there, there's no promise that the second fruits will come, will come that, that next week more fruit will bud. There's no promise that, that next week more corn is going to come or, or if, it, if the sun is going to shine so bright that it dries everything up. There's no promise in that. But they're to give their first fruit. And so it says this, when you have entered the land that the Lord your God is giving you as inheritance, you remember the Canaan where they've been traveling to go to forever. And when you have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land that your, your God is giving to you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priests in office, I declare today to you, to the Lord your God, that I have come to the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. And the priest will take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. We're going to pause here. The priest sets it. This is a tithe, a gift, a powerful discipline of saying, like, I, what I receive, I will give. What I receive, I will give. I've got to tell you, when it, be, when it comes to investing like this, the reason is not because God wants you to give money. Uh, I think pastors have a hard time talking about investing into what God is doing locally because it gets a bad rep about money. Can I tell you the reason why God wants you to invest what you have? It's all about trust. The most stingy people are untrustworthy people. That does not show the goodness of God. And so we exercise investing because I want to be a place where someone comes in and realizes they trust God. And that stems far beyond what we physically have money-wise because it's when, it's when you go through life's crap, like a sickness happened or a layoff happened that people have seen for months that you trust God, that's when it comes really at, at play. Because the disciplines that you, you build and grow through investing your time, through investing your, your life, your resources, your money, and then people see, wow, they can handle something really hard, really deep. And the reason is not because you just learned how to trust in the moment. It's because you've built up trust in, in disciplining your heart to know that God will provide. God will supply. God will, 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 will make it happen. God's going to, ha- he has it covered He's going to, to bring me security. God's going to bring the stability. And that's something that he wants for us. I wrote this down, that trusting the work of our hands is a slippery slope. Think about it. The person who, who, who keeps and keeps and keeps, they may have a big house. They may have a whole lot of stuff. They may have uh, a whole lot of fame. They may have that nice stuff. They, they may have everything, but it's a slippery slope because it becomes isolating. The church who just talks about money for the sake of money without investing and using it becomes a place that is a city on a hill that becomes a fortress, isolated. It's not in the city anymore. It's not, it's not caring for the needs anymore. And that's why we're constantly going to be a place that invests that gives, that realizes what we have is not ours to keep so that isolation doesn't show itself here at Glory Church or arrogance or what happens when, when that person loses the job that they've trusted in forever, defeat. But when you constantly trust in the Lord, the job was not the supplier. 
God was. But that's a habit, a discipline that has to start in the small times too. Because at the end of the day, I want us to trust that he's the one who satisfies us, that he's the one who provides, that he's the one who writes our purpose, all of it. In fact, uh, Kate and I are actually here today. I don't know if I've got to tell this to, to very many people. Kate and I are here today because people sowed a seed into what a year ago was just a vision. It had no faces yet. In fact, I spoke on, uh, what was it, December 28th. And I talked about looking back. Uh, it was one of those, like, the, some, the churches throw those uh, throwaway Sunday, the last Sunday of the year. You know, and you're like, who's going to show up? We don't know. But I talked about it, and I talked about looking back. And I remember visibly sitting in front of a church of over 500 that we've served in for years and telling them again and like over and over that I was going to be going somewhere and serving and building a place where I had no idea the faces. And now I even look out today and see faces that I have never seen before. But I talked about you guys on stage a year ago. And what happened was I planted a seed that then people said, we want to support this. We believe in this vision. In fact, Kate and I were able to move here because we as a family became funded by people who gave financially so that this could happen. That's why we are able to do this without the weight and the worry of being like, hey, we need, we need to get paid. We need food. It's because people invested in us. And that's why we're able to do the same thing. It's this beautiful picture of what happens when people sow the seed and it's very unseen. I did not know physically what you guys would look like, <laughs> what your faces would be. The people who gave to us gave with limited understanding of what God would do. They just trusted. And that's something that I want known and seen in all that we do. We don't know what God's going to do with our small 10% or that first fruit. We don't know what God's going to do, but we do trust that in the unseen, he's going to bring out something awesome. And that's something that I want to see. And so it, it continues. And so verse 5 says this. Then you shall declare before. So when you hand that basket over, you shall declare before the Lord your God. And it's, it's this script that he tells them to say, which is really funny. Um, so every person who hands down the basket, like I just visibly say, do, do you need the script or do you have it memorized? You know? <laughs> the, the, the priest is like, do you, do you want to read it or do you have it? Because uh, it's just this very verbatim word, and it's this. They're supposed to say, our ancestors were wandering Armenians, and they went down to Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to hard labor. And then we cried out to, to the Lord, our God, of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice. He saw our misery, toil, and oppression. And so the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror and with signs and wonders. And he brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil to you, Lord, that you have given me. And then place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. So I want to just tell you, this is a weird wording, but your wording would be different. Because it wasn't a Canaan land. It wasn't a literal land that you were brought into. But it was the moment that you asked. Do you remember back in your, the first time you asked Christ to save your life, change you? Scripture says that we are changed in location. That we're brought into a new place. 
that, that we are now residents of heaven, that, that though we live here, we are kingdom people. And so yours might be different. Mine would be this. Um, Lord, I grew up in a family that did not know you, that was angry. Uh, my dad had anger issues. My mom was heavy-handed at times. Uh, my story is, and so that kept going. And God, I grew up in a place where I thought I had to fight to, to manipulate my way to get to get better, to be better, to be seen, to be loved. I felt unseen, unknown, uncared for. Uh, I, I was broken and burdened. And then you brought this disease into my family that checked us. And I started seeing you doing signs and wonders. And my mom, my dad, my family, I started seeing you were real. You started changing my, my opinions of myself. And I was able to get into a college by your hands. And then my story would continue. I was able to meet a woman who would constantly, you would use to rewrite all the sins of my past. And then I would have a family. You would give me a purpose and a mission. So this, God, I give you, use. That would be my script. But you each have a script because God has done things in your past. But what this does is really powerful. If the Israelites did not say that, then their giving would just become a habit instead of actually trusting. It's saying, you've provided for me last time. You provided for me in my past, so I'm trusting that you'll do the same now. Can I just ask, like, do you guys praise God consistently for the story that you have? Yeah. We don't do it as often as we should, and it's especially not attached to our giving. It's especially not attached to our, the time that we give someone, sometimes we're like, oh, that took way longer than it should have. Oh, I didn't, wasn't expecting them to be that emotional or that needy. Or uh, we, we, we are very <laughs> bitter when it comes to our giving sometimes. Instead of saying what you've done in the past, I praise you for God and I'm trusting that you'll do it again. That is the picture. What, is, what would your script be, right? Like, I challenge you the next time you give of time, uh, the next time you, you tangibly give money, to whether it be to Glory Church or to something else, write that script out. Maybe just in your mind, verbalize it. God, you have brought me to this place, given me this job. You, you've brought me to this city with these people. You've, you've allowed us to pay off our debt. So God, this is for you. Or you made me able to meet this month's need or last month's need. And so with this check, I'm going to believe that you're going to do it again. And so you speak that out. You praise him. And so I wrote this down that what happens when we release the hold of our possessions, maybe that's our schedule, our agenda, our money, our, our things, is that we begin to release the hold that the enemy has between us and our fears. When we release the hold of our money, we, we allow ourselves to find the freedom from the hold that the enemy has between us and our doubts, our, our past sins, our, our fears, our worries of the future. That there is a connection between what we hold tight and what we are tightly held by. And I just want you to sit in this. When you hold tight your money, you become tightly held by the fear of being without it. When you hold tightly your safety, 
when you hold tightly your comfort, when you hold tightly your, your, your community in a wrong sense, your satisfaction, when you hold tightly that fix, that addiction, you begin to be tightly held by it. The fears associated with it, the fe feeling of isolation that comes with it. But the beautiful thing is, like, let's flip that on its head. When, when we hold tight the trust of the Lord, we are tightly held by the Lord. We all want that at the end of the day. When we hold tight to the faith, uh, believing that God will provide, we are then tightly held by the provider. Like that, that, that saying is so beautiful when you flip it on, the, on its head. There's a few things that you hold tight to in this room um, that God is calling you to give up because it's been tightly holding you. Uh, and you felt it for a while. You, you felt uh, stuck in it. And, it's, and it really comes down to just our inability to just lay it. Um, and so I just want to challenge you in this room There may be doubts that you've been held tight by, burdens, hardships, fears, insecurities, things that you need to hand over. In the Gospels, Jesus tells us that if we're faithful with the little things, we'll be faithful with the large things. I try to tell this to my kids all the time, that if they are faithful when I ask them to clean up something or when Kate asks them to do something very small, when they're trustworthy with the small things, that shows us that they will be trustworthy with the big things. Goodness, does that not happen, right? <laughs> we see them not do the small things that we, we want them to do. But this same principle is, in fact, hugely true, widely true in our faith. If we are not faithful with the small things, I challenge you to think of it in this way, the physical world, which is very small. If we're not faithful with the physical world, then we won't be faithful when God's ready to bless us with grace or challenge us to give mercy. We won't be faithful in the spiritual things, those big, great things that God is calling us to do. And so in the room, like he's calling you to be faithful with the little, which sometimes just means what you can physically see, what you can, be tangi you can tangibly understand. And he's calling you to be faithful. And it's when we show ourselves trustworthy in that that we begin to handle the things of the spiritual world greater, in greater ways. His grace, his mercy, when he calls us to do something that would require sacrifice in a great way. I want to be a church that is trustworthy with the great because we are faithful with the little, with our resources, with our daily needs, uh, with, with, with the, little, the little income that we are able to have. I want to be trustworthy with that. And so I put this at the very end. Maybe God is challenging, compelling you this morning to be a little more faithful with the little things in your life. So I'm going to pray, um, and we're going to end this. Uh, God, may we be a church constantly who um, is trustworthy with what you have given us, that we write out that script in our mind, that every time we invest in the needs of someone else, we don't go to bitterness, we don't go to the amount of time it's taking, or we don't go to, directly to our fears. God, may we be people who say, no, you get it first. The reason we are called to, to give our first fruits is because it, if not, those, that money will instantly be designated somewhere else. Chick-fil-A will get it, God. <laughs> 
Hulu will take it out on the, you know, the 15th of the month. So God, may we be people who show that we trust you, the supplier, and the small things, so that we will be grown, strengthened, empowered to trust you with the great things. Because God, I, I fully believe that you want Glory Church to be a place where people have a home, where people, that, that we are able to bless this city in great ways. That you have something grand in store, but God, if we do not trust now with a little, then we won't have the, the gifts, the discipline to be faithful when that day comes. So God, may we have that discipline now as a church, as a, as, a, as a family, and as individuals. In your great name. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.